Sing it again, we rejoice. Delight in the love he has shown us. Gratefully lift up your voice. His gentleness among us will join our hearts with praise. We gather in his goodness, a family of grace. With each breath he's given, praise the Lord. In these times we live in, we will praise the Lord throughout every season. I am sure we have Lay your request at his feet. His peace will fall upon us to guard our hearts and minds. In Christ who reigns eternal, the shepherd of our praise the Lord. Every reason to praise the Lord. Good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, This is that uh, big Sunday right before school starts back. 
Uh, the teachers have already, I think, made their way back to the classrooms and uh, started getting ready for the kids. And then, of course, the children go back this week. And we just are praying that it's going to be an amazing school year, uh, not just for, for the children, but also for those educators as well. We're glad that you're here. It's good to see you. I hope that you uh, were given a bulletin or, or picked up a bulletin on the way in. Please make sure you're familiar with all of the announcements that are in there. All of them are very important. But I do want to just remind you of one, and that is that this afternoon at 6.30, we have our back-to-school bash. And we're going we're to grill hamburgers and hot dogs. And I was asked if we were going to have steaks. you got to bring that yourself, okay? Uh, you, you bring it. We got some great guys on the grill. They'll grill it for you, okay? Uh, but we're going to have hot dogs and hamburgers and all the, all the fixings that go along with that. Uh, we've got the inflatables for the kids. We've got cornhole. Uh, we're having a pig tournament. Now, I want to tell you what I found out today, and I thought it was so cool. S- some of y'all thought pig tournament was we were going to grease a pig and see who could catch it. That is not the pig tournament we're going to have uh, this afternoon. Uh, it's like the game of horse. We've just shortened it a little bit with a, with a three-letter uh, animal, pig. And so we'll have that pig tournament is on the basketball court. Uh, maybe the next time we have a get, big get-together, we'll try that greased pig thing uh, and just see if you're up to it. Lois has already told me she's going to sign up for it if we do it. So Miss Udi's going to do that. Uh, and I, I will pay just to watch it. But we are going to have that, and this week we were able to secure a rock climbing wall, a portable rock climbing wall. So uh, I, I dared all of our folks Wednesday night to come and get on the wall, and here's what they said now. They said, you first, okay? I'm going to go up the wall, and then I'm going to stand back and watch all of them go up the wall. But we hope that uh, you'll come and and just have a great time with us. It's a great opportunity to invite your family, your friends, your neighbors, uh, co-workers uh, that have children. We're going to be giving away school supplies. And you have been so gracious in your donations. Thank you for that. Uh, So we'll be giving away those free school supplies as well. Uh, but all that's going on this afternoon in the uh, in the back. So if you pull up into the church in the front and you don't see anything, don't turn around and go home. We're in the back back here. Uh, we're hoping that we'll have a, a large turnout and we'll have just a great time together uh, this afternoon. So that's the one I wanted to bring up. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, are you ready for this? It's time for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> One month from today, on Wednesday, September the 6th, our Christmas choir will begin. It'll be 7.15 every Wednesday night down in the choir room. As usual, it is open to anybody who would like to sing. No previous experience. We will train you on the spot. The other thing I'm doing this year is I am opening this up to community, friends, family. If you have a friend, family member who would like a chance to sing at Christmas, Please invite them. We would love to have them be a part of this special Christmas choir. As soon as I have the recordings in hand, they are between here and Nashville somewhere, I will post it on our website so you can start listening. Uh, we would, it's be, the musical we're doing is called Love Awakens, I believe. It's beautiful Christmas music, some familiar, some new, but it's going to be a great time. So Wednesday, September 6th is when we will be, getting, we will, when we will be starting. If you've got any questions, feel free to 
catch up with me. Thanks. All right, two last things. Uh, in your bulletin is an insert. Uh, this is uh, a list of our ministry leaders uh, as being proposed by our nominating group for the coming year. We'll vote on this at the end of service today. So uh, you'll have an opportunity uh, to go ahead and look over that. And I saved the best announcement for last. We have been pouring all of our focus on our children's ministry. And just to show you how dedicated uh, my family is to this thing, uh, Zach and Whitney are, are expecting their second child. So, <laughs> so with Maddox turning one and Lila's now eight and with Ty who's getting ready to turn three and the new baby, we're pumping four into this thing, Okay. <laughs> Uh, the Capitosas, they're doing their thing. The Hartzels have done their thing. The Highs have done their thing. It's your turn now, okay? We're, we're doing everything we know to do to grow this, this children's ministry. It's, it's all on you now, okay? But thank you again for being here today, and uh, we are happy that we're going to have a new one in the family uh, sometime uh, first the next year. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. What a beautiful day it is because it's a day we get to worship you. It's a day that's been set aside to praise your name, that in everything we give you praise. When it's a, when it's a great day and everything is right in place, we give you praise because you have blessed us. And Lord, even when we're having one of those days when everything is going wrong, we give you praise because you are there with us to walk through that difficult day with us. Lord, in everything, we give you praise. Lord Jesus, you are worthy of all honor and praise and glory. May our lips proclaim that today through the songs that we sing, through the studying of your word, through our fellowship together. Lord, may our hearts, may our lips, may our minds proclaim your praise. For truly, you are good. Guide us in all that we do today, Lord. May it be done according to your will and for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Morning. Can we uh, pray? Father God, Lord, I just thank you for everything you've done. I thank you for everything that you are. I thank you for the blessings that, of this church. I thank you for the people of this church. I thank you for the work that you're doing in this church. Lord, just take this offering. Just take this offering and do what you will with it. Help us to use it according to what you need and to reach others for you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
to be seated. have your Bibles, would you join me in the book of Philippians chapter number 4. We're kind of rounding the home stretch here in our study through the book of Philippians as we have been looking at the anchored life. And we've been talking about what that anchored life is and how it looks when we are living it out, how it benefits us, how it uh, helps us to be able to stand strong in the face of, of trials and troubles. And today we're going to be again looking at in the anchored series, Keys to Standing Firm. The first nine verses of chapter 4 address this. And so we will, we will be looking at what God's Word has to say. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1, Paul writing says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Euodia and Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, And the God of peace will be with you. Let us pray together. Father, again, thank you for the opportunity to be here in this house of worship. Thank you for every person uh, who has has made their way here today. And Lord, we pray for the many of our church family that are sick, who would love to be able to be here, but their, their, their health is failing them and they're not able to be here today. We pray for them. We pray for health and strengthening and restoration. We pray for those who are traveling today, Lord. We know that as we near the beginning of the new school year, that many are taking the opportunity to have some time away, and we pray for them as they travel. Keep them safe, Lord. 
But Lord, we know that right now we have entered into one of the most sacred and holy times that we have together. And that is when we open up your word. We open up the word of truth, the word of God. And we begin to read from these words and glean from these words your truth. We need your help, Lord. We know that our finite minds struggle with the infinite truth of your word. So we need you to reveal your truth to us. By the power of the Holy Spirit that is in this place right now, Lord, open our minds and our hearts to receive your word. That we'll be so much more than just hearers of the word today. We'll be doers of the word. Guide us in our time together, Lord. Strengthen us, mold us, shape us into your image is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the great results of being rooted and grounded in God's word is that ability to stand firm in your faith in the face of troubles and trials. And we all, we all have them, and we have all had them. And if the Lord tarries his return, we'll have them even more. I want to read to you just a really short excerpt from an online article that I found uh, this week entitled, The Significance of an Anchor in the Bible. The author writes these words, Anchors are nautical devices that provide stability to ships during harsh storms, protecting them from being tossed around at sea. Throughout history, anchors have served as a much-needed device for sailors. In the Bible, an anchor is used as a symbol of our hope in Jesus that gives us stability and steadfastness in life. In ancient days, the anchor was used in artwork and engravings as a symbol of Christianity. Anchors appear in the Roman catacombs on the tombs of Christians showing the Christian's steadfast hope in eternal life. The point being that the anchored life is what brings us stability in the midst of life's trials and troubles. We're, we're all going to have them. We know that. So how are we going to be able to stand firm on our faith when the trouble comes to our door, how are we going to stand firm in our faith when the storms of life begin to rock our life? Paul is preparing to close this letter to the Philippian believers, and he gives to them in these verses three keys to standing firm. Three keys to standing firm. I hope this helps you as you are navigating the storms of your life. The first key that he reveals to us is that as believers who are grounded and rooted in the word of God, that one of the keys to standing firm in your faith is to serve others with unity. Unity has been a theme throughout scripture here in the book of Philippians. He's talked about our need for each other. That you need other believers and other believers need you. 
You are a part of a family. You're, you're, you're so much more than just members of the same church. You're so much more than just members that attend a, a particular service. You are, you are family. You are a body. And we need each other. And he talks about that, that desire and, and that need for us to serve with unity serving each other with unity helps us stand firm in the midst of our storms it would seem that a disagreement had arisen between two believers within the philippian church euodia and her sister in christ syntyche had fallen out of fellowship with one another we aren't told what the disagreement was about but truthfully can i tell you it just doesn't matter they just they, they weren't living in fellowship with each other. They're part of the same body. They're part of the same family. But they're living at odds with one another. And the truth of the matter is that now their, their disagreement is beginning to disrupt the work of the church in Philippi. And it's grieving the heart of God. Unforgiveness has no place in the body of Christ. Unforgiveness has no place in this this family of believers that unite together to love each other, support each other, and encourage each other. Unforgiveness has no place. We're commanded, by the way, to forgive. Therefore, if you and I refuse to forgive our brother in Christ, then we are not just only harming the fellowship, not only are we compromising our ability to stand firm in faith, but we're also disobeying God's will for our life. Listen to Colossians chapter 3. So as to those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so must you do also. God commands us to forgive. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus said these words to those who were following him, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you of your transgressions. So we're commanded to forgive. Living in unity with other believers and serving with unity other believers, it enables us to effectively obey the will of God for our life. Unity with other believers brings a renewed walk, a new strength in our Christian walk. You see, if, if you and I are in unity together and we're serving one another and we're caring for one another, then when a trouble comes into your life, then, then, then I can be there to help you. And when the trouble comes into my life, you can be there to help me. And we make each other stronger in the midst of our trials because we're family. 
That's what I love about the church. We are family. We come from different backgrounds. We have different stories. We have, we have different lifestyles. We have different likes and dislikes. We, we are different in every way that we can be different, but we're also the same in one great way, and that is that you were redeemed and bought by the same Jesus that I was. And so that makes us family. And I don't know about you, but... I know to me, family is important. If you want to get on the fighting side of Tommy, go after my family. You, that, can, is that not the most of us? If people really want to see the fighting side of you, let them go after your family. And you'll bow up like a, like a, a cat in a heartbeat, won't you? You'll, you you'll, you'll put your fist up and say, well, nobody's going to talk about me, my family that way. No one talks. I may be able to call them those things, but you can't. I, I may, I may get, I may get have trouble with them every now and again, but you don't need to be having trouble with them. You see, it brings unity. It brings ability to stand firm in our faith. And if we must, if we're going to stand firm in our faith, it involves the unity with other believers around us. So one of the first keys that he gives us is simply this. Serve each other in unity. Love each other. He's, he's calling out these two sisters in Christ, not because he's angry with them, not because he's trying to embarrass them, not even because he has an issue with them, but he's saying to them, you, you two ladies cannot stand firm in your faith because you're not living in unity. And, and because you're not living in unity, you're creating disruption in your church. Now they can't stand firm. So bring everything back together. One of the greatest tragedies of, that you'll ever experience is when there is, there is unforgiveness in the church body. It, it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so painful to watch. Because you, you know what our human nature does? This is just human nature. Here's what we do. If, if I have a problem with Jimmy, I don't have a problem with you, Jimmy. But if I have a problem with Jimmy... You know what I do? I go, I go talk to the other people in the church about Jimmy and say, don't you think I'm right? Don't you, th- don't you think I'm right? Am, am I not justified to be upset with Jimmy? Do you know, you know what I'm, you see what Jimmy did to me? Don't, don't I have a right? Now guess what happened? Now you think ill of Jimmy. Well, Jimmy's probably going some, to some of you in here going, you know what the preacher did? Can I tell you what the preacher did? This, our, our preacher did this? Let me tell you what he did. Am I, not, am I not right to feel this way? Don't I have a right to feel this way? Now, guess what? He's got you angry with me. That lack of fellowship and unforgiveness creates division in the church where the church cannot stand strong in its faith. And we can't worship together. So we need that forgiveness, that unity. And, and I thank God that he enables us to do that because can I tell you the greatest hurt that you'll ever experience is a church hurt? When you are betrayed or hurt by someone that you put your, your trust in and, and that you leaned on and you thought they were, they leaned on you and you leaned on them and then you find out that they have somehow betrayed your trust or they betrayed your confidence. They, they've hurt you in some way. Church hurt is one of the greatest, deepest wounds we'll have. 
But what an opportunity to put the, the, the healing touch of, of Christ on those wounds when we begin to forgive one another and love one another and seek forgiveness and give forgiveness and lay aside all disunity. So that's the first key. If, if you want to stand firm in your faith and in the midst of trials, you need to be serving in unity with other believers. But then he gives us a, a second key, and it's found in verse 4 through 7, where we read these verses because we, we've heard them a lot if we've been in church very much. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And then he goes on to tell us not to be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Those words are so easy to read and so hard to live. Those are hard words to live. Can I just be honest with you? But here's what he's telling us. That second key to standing firm in our faith is not only to serve the the body of Christ with unity and love, but to pray to God with confidence. Pray with confidence. Rejoice in the Lord always. The, The Greek word there translated in this particular verse, verse number four, as rejoice, literally means cheerfully and calmly. Come to the Lord cheerfully and calmly. Now, there's a lot of things that I think we're, we're, we can agree on, and one of them being this. When we are full of worry and anxiety, we are anything but cheerful and calm. When we are full of worry, we, are, we may be a lot of things, but we're not cheerful and we're not calm. We're the opposite of those things. And I get it. I get it. I get it. Some of us are thoroughbred worriers. Aren't we? Hi, my name is Tommy. And I'm a worrier. I've been a worrier since I was old enough to know what worry meant. I come from a long line of worriers. And I mean, I thoroughbreds. Thoroughbred warriors, you let a black cloud show up anywhere in the vicinity of my parents' house or when my grandparents were alive, their house, and they were making plans for tornadoes just because a black cloud was making in the sky. We're warriors by nature. I know what that feels like because I am one. And, and for, can I tell you something? That worry is, is like a second nature. It, it just comes so natural. But worry is a trait of our fallen nature. Worry is a trait of the fallen nature. Because the worry in us says, I don't trust what's happening next. Because I can't see what's happening next. Because I don't know what's going to happen in this situation. Because I can't predict how that's going to turn out. I am worried about it. Worry is the is a lack of confidence in what the future may hold. That's what worry is. Paul says the, the key to standing firm as a believer is for us instead of whenever worry begins to creep into our heart and mind to begin praying in confidence. Because here's what he's saying. We're shifting our focus. Instead of, instead of thinking about what I don't know and what I can't control, now I'm starting to think about 
the one who controls all things and who knows all things. I'm shifting my focus because it all boils down to this. Can I tell you, worry, those of you that are thoroughbred warriors, here's where it boils down for us. Two questions. Is God good? And is God in control? If God is good and God's in control, then I can pray with confidence about the things that worry me. Now, whenever I become anxious about the, what's going to happen next because I can't predict it, I can't see it, I can't control it. Now, because I know God is good and God is in control, now I can begin, instead of worrying, I can begin to look upward instead of uh, inward, and I can begin praying with confidence to the God who is good and controls all things. God, I, I, this bothers me. I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what the end result is going to be, but God, here's what I do know. I know you are good, and I know you are in control, and I trust you. So I'm going to rejoice not in what's going on around me. I'm going to rejoice in you, Lord. I'm going to rejoice that you are God. I'm going to rejoice that you know me. I'm going I'm going to rejoice that, that you have a plan for me. I'm going to rejoice that you have a purpose for my life. I'm going to rejoice that you are always working for my good. Lord, I am going to rejoice in you. And whatever happens tomorrow, I will know it sifted through your hands before it came to me. So I'm going to pray in confidence. Now, does that mean that bad things won't happen? Of course, that doesn't mean that. There are some things that may we may worry about, and guess what? Our worry may be may come true. Maybe we're worried about that test result, and we go to the doctor and find out the worst has happened. But here's what we need to understand: regardless of the result, it has sifted through the hands of God, and He is good and He's in control. Does that mean he wants me to have that problem? Does that mean he wants me to go through that that issue? No, here's what it means. It means that he is well aware that it's there, that in your broken body or in my broken body or in our broken world, he knows that it's there and he's already formulated his plan and purpose to walk you in it and through it, whatever that may look like. He's got a plan. You see, then we can compare can pray with confidence. That knowledge that God is good and that God is in control should embolden us to pray with confidence that God's going to hear us and answer according to his great will. We can rest cheerfully and calmly as we pray with confidence in an all-powerful and an all-knowing God. And that kind of prayer helps me stand strong and firm in the face of life's storms. When life is, is blowing me around, when the, when the storms of life is battering me, and I am at the point of collapse. I can still stand firm in my faith because I know I serve a God who's got it under control. 
I don't like what's going on in my life. I don't, I don't like the situation I'm in. I'm, I may not be glad that I'm doing, having to do what I'm doing. It may not be fun. It may not, it may not be enjoyable. But at the end of the day, if God is walking with me in it, it will always be for my good and His glory. That's what Romans chapter 8, verse 27, 28, 29 is all about. It doesn't th- say that all things are good. It says, it says this, that God will work all things for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So the first key, if we're going to stand firm in our faith, is to serve in unity with the body of Christ. Secondly, is to pray with confidence to a God who is good and a God who is in control. But then there's this third one. And he tells us in verses 8 and 9, live with a purpose. You say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't get that, Tommy. Where, where are you getting that out? Finally, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute, excellence, worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Where, where, where do you get that? You know what governs our actions more than anything else? Our thought life. Our thought life does. The things that I fill my mind with will control how I live my life. Listen, that's why it's dangerous for us to allow things that pollute our mind into our mind because it will eventually begin to affect the way we live. Let me give you an example of that, okay? Can I give you an example? Anybody here an HGTV fan? DIY channel fan? When you watch those shows, you know what you'll do. You'll walk around your house and you'll see everything that's wrong with it. Am I right? You, you binge watch about eight hours of fix this, fix that, repair that, remodel this. Tear that out, put that back, redo this, won't that color look good? You, you watch, binge watch eight hours of it and then walk around your house. The house that you loved yesterday, suddenly, you're ready to sell. You want out of it. You start making lists of what all needs to be done. Oh, I'll give you another one. Uh, we, we, we sometimes watch some cooking shows. And, and there, we watched a particular show about some people baking cakes that look like certain things. And, and can I tell you something? I get hungry when I watch it. Because you know what I start wanting while I watch that baking show? I want that cake. It looks good. And so you know what I do? If there's cake in the house, I go get some. And if there's not, I get ice cream. But that's... That's the way you and I function. That's the way we operate. The things we let dwell here begin to control what we do here. And that's why if there is that unforgiveness in our life and we're harboring unforgiveness towards someone else, and, and, and we, here's what you're going to find. It starts affecting the way we act toward them and the way we act toward those who may be friends with them. It starts changing the way we act around them. It just does. Because what dwells here plays out here. 
And Paul says, okay, now, you're, now your life is in a storm. I mean, you didn't ask for it. You don't like it. It doesn't feel good. You are in pain. You are going through it big time. And your world is being rocked right now. What you think about in the middle of that storm is what's going to determine how you endure that storm. So here's what he says. To Philippians, by the way, who are being, who are being run out of town put to death, jailed, and losing their livelihood just because they're believers. That's what's going on in Philippi right now. He said, when you find yourself in that, whatever is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and good repute and excellent, anything worthy of praise, dwell on that. Dwell on that. And what we find is that suddenly our, our life is moving toward those things. Paul tells us in these verses, God has a divine purpose for our life. And we're not going to find it when we fill our mind with worry and unforgiveness and hatred and all of these other negative things that contaminate our life. He said, if you really want to know where you're going to find God's purpose, if you really want to live God's purpose, then you need to start with your mind. You need to start focusing on the right things. You know how Paul could say this? By the way, let's, rem- let's remember where he is when he's writing this. He's sitting in a Roman prison. He is awaiting trial before Nero, who literally lit Christians on fire to to light the streets of Rome. That's who he's waiting to stand in front of. Now, he, he could have, of all people, he could have sat there and said, Oh me, oh my, oh no. He, he could have sat there and thought about, will it be tomorrow? What's going to happen with this? And what's going to happen with that? And wh- how's that going to play out? And what's, what about these churches that I've planted? And who's going to train these leaders? And who's going to make sure that, that this is being followed correctly? And, and, and who's going to preach the gospel in that group? And who's going to preach the gospel in that group? He could have consumed his mind with those things. But instead, he chose to consume his mind with what was right and true and honorable and lovely, and pure, and excellent, and worthy of praise. That's why he could look at these Philippian believers who are going through hell on earth and say to them, rejoice in the Lord again. I say, rejoice. Put your confidence in the God you know. Think on that. Think on, the, think on what's right instead of what's wrong. Don't, don't, don't dwell on... What you don't have, thank God for what you do have. Isn't that easy? Listen, it's, it's easier to dwell on what you don't have. But God says, I want, you to, I want you to dwell on the things you do have. Look at the blessings that I have poured into your life. There's a purpose in there. There's a purpose for your life. And Paul says, when you think on these things, you will not only move your life toward being that, but you're going to move your life toward the purpose for which he created you. And that is to bring him glory. Romans chapter 12. Paul says, To present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, 
which is your reasonable act of service. But then he, then he goes on to say, but don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You see, Paul gets it. The key to the, to the body being a, a, hum, a, a living sacrifice for Christ is the renewing of the mind. If we get our mind right, the rest of it falls into place. And so he's telling them, live with a purpose. Think on the things that bring God's great plan for your life to light and follow those things. That's why he could say in verse number 9, those things that you have learned, received, heard, and seen in me, practice those things. Practice those things. What do you want me to practice, Paul? What exactly do you want me to practice? The next time you find yourself sitting in a Philippian jail, start singing hymns and watch the doors swing open. The next time you find yourself sitting in a, in a, in a Roman prison, start sharing the good news of who Jesus is with everybody around you and watch the praetorian guard that roam the halls of Nero come to Christ. You see, he's telling us how to stand firm. Well, storms are going to come, right? That's just the way it is. Storms are going to come. The winds of adversity are going to blow. It's going to rock our life. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. It's all coming Because we live in a broken world, and we are broken people, and we live in a world full of broken people. And that's where those storms come from, by the way, in a broken world filled with broken people. But will you be able to stand firm? Will you be able to stand firm in the midst of your storm? Oh, I want to tell you, there's some battle stories in this room right now. There's some people who have walked through the deepest and darkest nights. They know what it feels like to have their their life rocked. And many of you can stand today and say, you know what? I would never wish that on my worst enemy to have to go through that. I, I, I would never want anyone to ever have to go through that kind of pain and turmoil that I went through. But here's what... Many of you would still say, I can stand in my faith today and I can tell you that while I didn't, I, I didn't like what I had to go through, God brought me through it. That I can stand firm in my faith today because I look back and I can say, there's a God who is good and there's a God who's in control. And even when my life was falling apart, he held me together to get me to the other side. It may be that today... Some of us are facing those storms. So here's the keys. Serve with unity within the body of Christ because we need each other. Pray with confidence instead of worry because God is good and God is in control. And live with purpose. Focus your mind and move your life toward God's purpose and plan for your life. This will bring us the strength to stand firm in the midst of our trials.
In just a moment, we're going to stand together. We'll sing together. This is our opportunity to decide what we're going to do with, with what, what God's shown us from his word today. It, it may be that somewhere in the recesses of your heart and mind, there's still that little corner of unforgiveness towards someone. They may be in this room, they may not be in this room. They may be at work, in your community, in your family, wherever they are. And it may be that today, in order to make sure you're able to stand firm when your storm hits, you, you need to take care of that unforgiveness today. And by going to that person and just saying to them, I forgive you, you say, well, they didn't ask me for forgiveness. They don't have to. The, God, the Bible didn't say, only forgive those who ask for forgiveness. It says, forgive. I heard it said one time that forgiveness is like dropping your end of the rope in a tug of war. You're in a tug of war with that person. And forgiveness is saying, I dropped my end of the rope. It, it may be today that you're not praying with confidence because you're so filled with worry. And it might be that what needs to happen in your life today is that you need to pause, take a deep breath, and settle once and for all in your heart, is God good and is God in control? And if the answer is yes, then start praying toward that end. That God, I don't know what's going to happen and this bothers me and it, it creates anxiety inside of me. But God, I, I know you're good and I know you're in control. Help me to trust you, Lord. Help me to walk in that knowledge and rejoice in you. It may be that what needs to happen today more than anything else. It's just that you decide that you're going to start thinking right. I've been dwelling on all this negative stuff, all the things that are wrong and all the things that are bad and all the things that are un unlovely. But today, I, I, want my, I want, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, I want him to fill my mind with the right thing so that my life can move toward God's purpose for my life. Today's a great day to start with any of that. The altar's open if you, feel come, if you feel led to come and pray. You're welcome to do that. If you want someone to pray with you or pray for you, I'll be down front. It may be that right where you are today, you, you can settle things right where you are, but today is the day you need to make things right. This is a great opportunity to do just that. Let's pray. Lord. The greatest robber of our peace is ourselves, our fallen nature. We let it get in the way. And Lord, we, we pray that you would help us, that as you reveal these areas in our life that need to be addressed, that we will trust you that we will know in our heart, in our mind, at the very core of our, our soul, that you are good and you are in control. 
Help us to extend forgiveness to that one that needs forgiveness. Give us, by the power of your Holy Spirit that indwells every believer, the ability to do just that, to let go. Lord, I pray that when our minds begin to be filled with worry about the things we can't control and the things we can't see and the things we don't know, that, Lord, in that very moment, the Holy Spirit of God that indwells every believer will begin to point us heavenward and remind us again that you are good and you're in control and that we can trust you. Lord, I pray that whenever those negative things begin to try to invade our heart and our mind and seek that place of purchase, Lord, help us in those moments, to see it for what it is. And Lord, in that moment, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may our our hearts and our minds be flooded with the goodness that you have, with the good things you have given, with the good things you promise, that our heart and our life may move toward your purpose for our life instead of backing into the shadows of doubt. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that you give us these keys so that we don't have to figure it out for ourselves. Lord, by the power that you have placed in every born-again believer, you've given us these keys so that we can stand firm when the storm reaches our doorstep. Guide us in our time now, Lord, as we choose what we're going to do with these truths. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing together.
Thank you so much. I'm going to invite you to be seated for just a second, and uh, Brother Mike Hervey's coming up to moderate us here. We'll have a brief conference, though. So.